0: Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground
1: info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Good afternoon, guys. Steve Smee here in Mobster in the house. What's up, buddy?
0: How are you doing, fella?
1: Good. This is Evolutionary Hardcore Radio, episode 101, guys. If you haven't checked out episode 100, great episode, go back and check that one out too. But this is episode 101, so this time we have five awesome topics headed your way. So let's get right to it, Mobster. The first one is going to be N2Guard with Orals, How and Why. So let me go over, first off, N2Guard. What happens when you run oral steroids? We all know liver. The first thing everyone thinks of is liver. And that is a major problem because oral steroids do strain your liver. Just depends on which one it is. Some more than others. Um, So the nice thing about Intugard, it's got several ingredients that are specifically designed for the liver. It's got tutka. It's got picroliv. It's got astragalus root extract. It's got milk thistle. It's got hawthorn berry. It's got dandelion root. And in, you know all these ingredients are great for cleansing out your liver while you're on an oral. So basically, that's not the only thing though that Entugard has when it comes to your health. It also has benefits for your heart health. It also has benefits for your kidneys, for your, all your organs. Basically, it's gonna make you feel a heck of a lot better when you're running it. Um, so, you know, that's why we want to use N2 guard always uh, seven caps a day is the average dose. And you want to kind of, when you take the N2 guard, you want to take it away from any type of oral, any type of drug, because what the ingredients in it can actually help cleanse out those drugs out of your system. And that kind of, will make a difference. So I recommend taking the N2Guard about two hours away from any drug that you take just to be safe. An hour is probably going to be safe, but I always recommend two hours. And, you know, that's going to help, that's not going to interfere with your orals and it's going to help cleanse out your body. So, you know, we got pipes in our house, we flush the toilet, the sewage goes. Now N2Guard is going to help your body flush out the same garbage out of your system so it really makes a big difference Monster, tell us a little bit about n2 guard and your experience
0: with 2 guard how do you like to use it well i've, I've actually used n2 guard recently with the Anavar cycle that i did a few months back and uh as you say I, i'm a great one for taking my supplements first thing in the morning uh Anavar would have been shortly after i know there's some dosing protocol suggestions on on, on our forums and the guys should check that out 100% uh, and for me, I would, I would stick with the dosing suggestion per day, which is the seven, seven tablets. There are, there are ways, and at the, as per the forum suggestions, about splitting up the dosage through the day. I don't think you actually need to do that. But it, as Steve Smiths already said, it's going to come down to when you train, when you take your steroids, the half-life of the steroids, and so on. So, you know, uh, if I wasn't training, deep, I'd probably have three times a day. So I want to have my uh, into guard first thing in the morning. And then an hour or so later, I'd have my uh, first dose of Debo. And then again, later in the day, and then another one shortly before bedtime for, the, for the roughly eight to nine hours, half-life. Uh, and I, I keep it, Steve's me knows this already, and any of the former regulars knows this already. Right. I keep my stuff very simple, very straightforward. You're not talking about huge dramatic differences, guys, honestly. It seems sometimes we get members, feels like they want to overcomplicate things. You don't need to overcomplicate things. Follow the instructions. And as Steve Spee suggested, if the issue is there, that when you take them, you're going to negate somewhat, and it would only be a small amount, the effect of the steroid that you're taking, then give it an hour. Give it 90 minutes. Keep it simple. Keep it straightforward. Don't overcomplicate things. Steve Spee?
1: When I first used N2 guard, this was years ago, and I noticed when I ran it on cycle and then ran out of the N2 guard, and then kept the cycle going. I noticed like a few days later, I started feeling the side effects of the cycle. I started feeling more tired. My sleep was a little more disrupted. Just something was off. So then I'd order another bottle of N2Guard and then start taking it again. And then boom, I'd feel so much better within within a couple of days. So N2Guard is really an amazing compound. It's got 44 ingredients in it. That all work in synergy. It was a tremendous the, the development of, of N2Guard was amazing because whoever came up with it knew exactly how much of ingredients to put in it. And it really, really helps. It saves a fortune. I can remember before N2Guard, I was spending three, four, five hundred dollars on my support supplements. So always you want to use N2Guard on a cycle. If you can afford to use it on PCT half the dosage on PCT at minimum, and then like off cycle, if you can afford to use it here and there, it's, it's tremendous. But really you can use it, you know, year round with, with breaks here and there.
0: Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna add, what Steve says is, is 100% correct. And I was just gonna say from my, in, you know, million years of training and, and whatever else, we used to have to do exactly what Steve just said, which is go out and buy a bunch of products which we don't have to do now Uh, and and stuff like this is a a saving grace i'm old enough to remember the live 52 and and a milk thistle and all those other kind of supplements that we were taking back in the day Uh, and and, unless you're and believe you me with even the amount of supplements i'm taking now it's no fun whatsoever to choke down 10 or 15 tablets in the morning uh, with my english cup of tea uh, choking down 30 or 40 tablets like we used to have to do in the past. It was a lot. Honestly, you ended up spreading those bastards out because it was just a pain in the ass to get them down. So, uh, enter guard is going to make that sort of thing very easy. It's all there. It's all in one product. And and we had a, a topic come up on the forum the other day, which is where you could break down the individual ingredients. And and start to get into you know how much of this ingredient, how much of that ingredient, and I think what we covered then, what we can cover now, is that it's a synergistic effect. It's that all of the ingredients together, with their profile, you have a small amount of this and a small amount of that, and those things together is what's working for you. I think something else Steve said, just, just said as well, which I want to touch upon, and that is, um, you don't always notice with certain products how you feel. Or, or whether you're getting any side effects and whatever else. And I, I'm, joint joint thing is a big one for me, where I don't notice it, don't notice it, and then when I run out, I notice that I need it. And I think N2 guards like that. It's one of those things you take along with an AI. You take these things and hope that you don't need them. And, but if you don't take them, you'll, you'll soon know when you need them. And N2 guards right up there. It's not incredibly expensive for in what it does. It saves, In fact, it does save a, a small fortune based on the other ingredients and all the things that we used to have to do. And it's one of those things that you don't want to have to need, but you're going to do it. And and finally, I think it's one of those things with regards to um, what we're doing when it comes to oral steroids. Don't forget, guys, that other things that you can be doing, drinking alcohol, for example, is going to be causing a little bit of damage, especially if you're drinking uh, daily, or having heavy weekends. And a product like this is going to have that effect. You're taking an oral steroid. You might be doing those other things. You will need something to protect your liver. You will need something like N2Card to do that job for you, 100%. Steve?
1: All right, guys. So next topic is Carterine GW, how to use it for cardio boost. So let me explain first how car, uh, Cardarine works because uh, a lot of people don't understand this concept, especially if you're inexperienced. But if you ever get a heart rate monitor, and you hook it up to your body, and you kind of observe what happens during the workout. I think you'll you'll understand the concept behind cardioing and why cardioing is so dang good for endurance. So, basically, um, when you work out, let's say you're going to go do a, a mile run, for example. During that run, your heart rate's going to start going up. Okay. Now let's now let's say you sprint. Okay, sprint as fast as you can. Your heart rate is gonna go up to your maximum heart rate. So if you take your age, subtract it by, uh, you take 220 and subtract your age from that, that's gonna give you your maximum heart rate. So if you're 40 years old, you take 220 minus 40, it's gonna put it at 180. So that's your maximum heart rate is 180. Okay, in theory, when you run as fast as you can around the track, you're gonna be able to hit about 180. And that's the maximum that your heart rate is going to be able to go. Now, you know, so now here's the thing with cartering. If you're on cartering, you're going to be able to run around that lap with more force, but your heart rate will, will take longer to get to the maximum heart rate. So be able to push more for longer on cartering. Now, if you were to take a stimulant before that, one mile run or that sprint around the track you're not gonna be you're basically gonna hit that maximum heart rate a lot easier which is not a good thing for your endurance so you're gonna basically tire yourself out a lot quicker so i mean i try to explain this to people and if you can basically use the cartering and knock maybe 10 or 15 points from your heart rate maximum from your from your your heart rate when you're running, it's like increasing your maximum heart rate ten or fifteen points, so you can push a lot faster. So this is really great um, to use carterine for endurance. And in the weight room, it's going to make a big difference when you're doing sets. Your heart rate is increasing when you're in the middle of a, of a set, even if you're just a power lifter doing doing three or four reps. You're going to be able to push on that last rep more because your heart rate's not going to be your heart's not going to jump be jumping out of your chest as as easy. So you'll be able to push throughout your tongue. So you're going to have tremendous endurance. And the endurance with GW is going to come that first few days in that first week. So it really does make a huge difference in your endurance. Um Mobster, what are your thoughts on Cartering?
0: As we've discussed off there, it's something that I've not personally used, but I do know that we've had uh, discussions on the forums with regards to some strength athletes, mostly from the lengthier workouts, getting some benefit. But the, 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 the endurance side, every single forum post that I've seen, where we've had them running logs, where they've run it for lengths of time, every single post has been 100% uh, for the product. Uh, I think the only other thing that I refer to, and we'll link to this later on for you is the uh, use of cardering when you're running trend because of the effect of trend on your cardiovascular ability. If you had it before and you go on trend, then you'll notice a drop-off in your cardiovascular ability. And it's one of the few times that, from my perspective, I, if I was running trend, I would say, right, I 100% need to bring cardarine in there because, you know... I, I don't want to get out of shape. I don't want to lose any level of fitness or whatever else. In fact, Steve Spee, uh, and I've mentioned this again on the forums, knows uh, I enjoy trail walking as a a guy of my size uh, and who likes to train for STEM, is not doing any real cardiovascular work in the gym. I have to get outside my height, my weight, 300-plus pounds, I have to keep my heart working. I have to keep my lungs working to get used to just the size that I am. And I can see that a product like Cardarine was going to be the ones Well, I'm going to take on the 10Ks when I'm out on the 15Ks. And in fact, uh, since I've got up to the body weight I am now, I'm, I'm working back up on those things. I can see Cardarine being fantastic on that. So yeah, 100%. Every single person that we can say has run this on the forum has had positive feedback on their endurance. Uh, that's undeniable. Um, yeah, I think it's going to come down to what the guys are doing to keep staying fit and staying healthy you know we like to train for muscle we like to train for size but those things aren't always health orientated Uh, to get outside to get on bikes to get on the running machines and whatever else and to use this to boost that to get there to get the work done I think especially perhaps not necessarily as a fat aid in all of itself but to help you get through your cardiovascular workouts if you're dropping fat uh, getting into competition I can see that maybe bringing in early stages of that kind of stuff to, to help you again with those kind of things but i bow down to uh, steve's experience in this particular regards and especially his knowledge uh, on carterine steve
1: yeah so let's get into as well um the fat burning because besides endurance carterine is one of the few things out there that actually can directly burn fat and mm-hmm. the way it does it is it stimulates fatty acid acid oxidation it increases glucose uptake in skeletal muscle tissue. So that's going to change your body's metabolism to burn fat for energy instead of muscle or carbs. So it's really a tremendous fat burning. I noticed that the fat burning after week four. So into your second month is when the fat burning really comes in. So if you use cartering and you want to use it um, for fat loss, you really want to run it eight to 12 weeks to get the best results. And, and also we've seen this from the studies. Um, from that they've done on uh, on cardarine, it works so much better when you get when you're exercising and when your diet is on point. So don't think you can just take cardarine and magically your your endurance is going to improve and magically you're gonna you're gonna burn fat because you're going to be disappointed in your results. So you know the more you push on it, the more but it's going to motivate you because no matter ah if you like hiking like mobster um you're hiking up a hill hiking up a mountain. Um, if you're a runner, if you even weight training in the gym, just a normal weight training for 50 minutes in the gym, it's going to make a difference in your workouts. You're going to love it. So if you can come off the stimulants, I try to steer people away from the stimulants and you steer toward the quartering, it's going to give you that huge difference in, in, in that aspect.
0: Yeah, you've just just touched on something, which again, I think I've seen on the forums where we've got uh, specifically running athletes, whether that be uh, middle distance, long distance, uh, looking for an edge. Uh, I would not want to say on this podcast whether or not it's drug tested for. So guys, you need to go out and check that information for yourself. Because I don't want to say something now and have you taken that as gospel. You should always check what your federation checks for. But I do recall that we've had uh, athletes, middle distance, long distance runners, come on and ask us for an edge. And if they're not already doing something like this, this is almost an ideal product for them in terms of it not really having any other side effects that they can worry about and adding something to them, making what they already do a little bit easier to do. And yeah, 100%. We've, we've seen those questions asked. I'm pretty sure those are the answers that we've given. And I would stick by that. But I would refer again to what I just said, which is 100% you must go out and check because these rules do change, of course, uh, from month to month, year to year if it's tested for in your federation just in case uh but yeah so a, a, a wonderful product for for the endurance uh, and as steve said already I, I, I my kind of workout with the power chart training and the heavy weights and the, the lower volume that i do i can see some benefit but if you are a typical trainee i can see you you know you're, you're going to be powering through in fact i would argue as steve said already i would argue better to use a product like this and get for an hour and a half or two hours of training the fastest as long as you train rather than use pre workouts and stims. I'm not talking on those things. Steve knows what I'm about. Four cups of coffee a day is my limit. I don't use any pre workouts. Haven't done. And you can go online and check out my log and see what I do. Hopefully, the numbers are up there and reasonably impressive. So, you know, I don't need stimulants and pre workouts. A product like this, if I was today's workout was an hour, but I could see me do an hour and a half, two hours sometimes. And there shouldn't be any drop off. Or if the drop-off's going to come, it's going to come much later in a workout. And that's got to be useful. So, yeah, the fat-burning side, I think I addressed briefly earlier on saying if you're doing your cardiovascular to get your body fat down uh, in competition training, with the possible exception, uh, in my opinion, and again, I'd want to look at this in more detail towards the uh, end of uh, competition dieting, 12, 16 weeks. I could see me suggesting 12 weeks. And then the last four weeks, we would make some manipulation. We, we might take it up, It might put something else in there, but definitely useful in the early days uh, and a great all round product. And, and certainly one of the more uh, effective, although technically not a psalm, one of the more popular and, and effective uh, psalms that there is. Steve? Oh,
1: so, two, two, two final points before we move on. How much to use? You- so, two final points. Uh, how much to you use? You're going to use 10 to 20 milligrams a day. It's got a 24-hour half-life, so you want to you know, make sure you're dosing it once a day. That's plenty. Um, some guys do notice a difference if they dose it before their workouts, maybe like a couple hours, and that will give them a little peak, but it's a slow peak because it has a 24-hour half-life. So you can do it that way, 10 to 20 milligrams a day. And then the second point is be careful you're getting your cartering. It's It's very common to have fake cartering that's really clean or really just caffeine powder or something like that and that's a really really easy way for them to scam you because um you know you'll notice something if you take caffeine powder and you'll think that that's the cartering doing the work but it's not it's actually giving you the, the opposite effects unless you have a heart rate monitor to, to check that out so you got to make sure you come on our forums and make sure you check in on the best place to get GW, because most GW out there, probably 95% GW out there is, is fake. or bomb.
0: Yeah, just one last point. I know Steve's just covered it as well. There, we, we see this occasionally brought up with all, our, all drugs and, and all Psalms, uh, performance-enhancing drugs. There is no real benefit going much beyond the 20, 20 milligrams a day. It really isn't, guys. If you think, oh, I feel amazing on 10 milligrams, I feel amazing on 20 milligrams, it's having a fantastic effect. Trust me on this. I haven't seen any forum members, any articles really to suggest that you need to go much above that. Unless you're like 500 pounds of muscle, we've never heard of you. You're not going to need 30, 40 milligrams a day. If it works and it's effective at 10, 20 milligrams, then that's what you need to take. You do not need to be thinking, oh, the guys said 20, I'm going to take 40. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to be double. No. To get that it's really effective for pretty much everybody at that 20 milligram dose. you do not need to double up yeah that's my last word on that one
1: all right so next one guys the next topic is topical yeoman flame and gyno gyno which is bitch tits so yohimbe flame is an interesting product guys um does it help with gyno not directly it doesn't help with gyno directly but what it does do is it can make a huge difference if you do have gyno because it can help burn that, that uh, fat. Um, so the ingredients that work on Yohim Flame, the yohim B and the Alpha Yohem B, uh, yohim Flame is a topical, you spray it on. So the ingredients within it, the Yohem and Alpha Yohem B, that's gonna prolong your fat loss, that's gonna burn fat. It's got seven keto DHEA, which blocks cortisol, boosts metabolism, and induces lipolysis. It's got sen, uh, sen, um, which increases oxidation of stored fat, blocks alpha-2 receptors, promotes fat loss. It's got raspberry ketones. That's the ultimate fat burner. It's synergy with Sinephrine, uh, sen, and it's, it can amplify fat loss. And then the last ingredient I want to talk about is the caffeine that's in it. That's going to shrink the size of the fat cells and it's going to release that fat. So if you stack the flame with the and and do cardio, moderate cardio every day, um, you're going to have tremendous fat loss results. And it can actually um, really, really help if you're one of those guys who have those floppy, you know, floppy tits or whatever, you're trying to get rid of that chest flop. And- as men, you know, the chest is one of those areas where we tend to store excess fat. So a lot of times, um, when you're running steroids, you can actually increase your chance of gynecomastia by, by having that stored fat, um, extra, the fat in your body, the higher estrogen and all that stuff. So the Yohan flame by, by burning off that excess fat, that's really hard to get rid of as a male. Because our bodies, you know, want to survive and our bodies want to prepare for a famine that may come one day, just like a a pandemic, you know, um, you can't get food during a pandemic. So our body has stored up fat in case for emergency. So we tend to store fat two places, our stomachs and our chest. So one of the two places I like to use the old flame myself is, is my fat on my stomach and my fat on my chest. And it works really, really well for that. Mobster, what, what do you have on this?
0: I was thinking, you, you touched on something just there, Steve, and I was thinking, and I, I actually had this for some months ago, what you call an old man chest versus a young man chest. I've seen older bodybuilders, older weightlifters, older strongmen, lean, but they get that weird kind of triangle that comes underneath to the pec line, and it's like an old man thing. And whether it's whether the pegs were huge before and, and, and they've shrunk down whether it's a, a loose skin thing that older guys get. I'm starting to get that kind of, you know, one or two signs that suggest to me whether I like it or not, I'm getting older. And they you get that weird triangle under the peck line that kind of goes into the armpit. And I can see Helium Flame working something like that if, if it was something that I, was, I, I felt I needed to work on. I, I want to be the guy that says, as always, and this is for all the listeners, make sure that you don't get into the position where you have to do something about gyno in the first place. However. If you are in that position, then a product like Human Flame is going to help you. So if we say take the AIs, take the AIs, guys. If we say take, get your blood test, get your bloody blood tested. Don't be in a position where you have to ask for our help. We've got However, we are there to help you. We do have information that's going to help you. And... That's when stuff like this is going to help you. It's going to, you know, we're gonna, you're going to do the protocol that we're going to suggest. You're going to reduce your gyno down to the absolute minimum that you possibly can. You might have that last res- residual part of fat left there. And that's where a product like Inflame is going to come in. For the leaner guys, and if we're not referring to gyno, yeah, this is where the product, you can't be walking around with 20 or 30% and hoping that Inflame is going to help you. It's just not. But when your body fat starting to get down to a level where you can see your abs, and those annoying areas which can include around the nipple area around the bottom of your chest that's when a product like this is going to help you you will see a difference but you need to be lean you need to follow our advice earlier and not to have a problem later on don't be like steve said with with the previous product don't be incredibly fat and think you're going to you're going to lose fat just because you're rubbing a cream on it It doesn't work like that no product works like that we would be billionaires and i'd be talking to you from my diamond castle if we could invent a product like that It really would guys so i want to be the guy that says you have to do those things listen to our advice on those topics as well listen to the podcast take that information use it and then when you need to if you have to your hymn flame is going to be the product that's going to help you there back to you Steve.
1: So the way I like to use Yohan Flame is what I'll do in the morning fasted. I'll have some hydration. I like to hydrate before I do my cardio. Um, I don't want to be dehydrated, especially if you live in a hot climate. And what I'll do is I'll spray. I'll do six sprays onto my stomach area and six sprays on my chest. And I'll go running shirtless. And, um, you know, I run while – in that you know and then that the oatmeal flame will will dry in a couple minutes and then you can go ahead and go run and then just go do your do, you do your cardio that morning and then boom you're done like 10 15 minutes of cardio and then you're done and then that makes it uh, work even better
0: I'm just I'm just recalling a conversation you had in a previous podcast. I'm convinced these beef does everything shirtless. <laughs> I pretty I'm pretty sure he got the job interview shirtless. Um, <laughs> so you can take them a picture of he goes running shirtless in the winter in the open. Yeah. It doesn't matter what time of year Well, it?
1: I mean I'm in Florida, so what winter, man? We don't have a winter here. Winter here is uh the coldest it gets is like 60 at night, even during the winter. 60 Fahrenheit, which in Celsius is what? Like 15 or something Celsius?
0: Yeah, somewhere around. Yeah. there. It's about 21, 22 degrees here today. So I'm probably going to pop out and have a bit of sunbathe afterwards. Yeah. I, do. I don't think even if I pop outside, I go shirtless, sure, maybe it sits on, 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 on my property. But uh, yeah, whatever. I can't see me going down to the shops or something like that. Yeah, I'm just really... Recalling the subject that you've done in previous podcasts, uh, and I'm pretty sure that Steve does everything. It's shirtless. It's, I'm just <laughs> of course. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Hey, man. <phone rings> All right, guys. So, the next one we're going to get into is SARMs causing estrogen side effects. Is that even possible? So, I mean, <clears throat> looking at blood work over the years, I haven't seen any evidence that SARMs cause estrogen side effects. Um, so, but it can happen. Um, one of the ways that it can happen is estrogen rebound from a previous cycle. So let's say you ran, you know, testosterone, D anything that aromatizes on a previous cycle. And then you ran your SARMs, you know, a few months later or something, but you're going through an estrogen rebound from that previous cycle and it hits you right on your SARM cycle. So I can see that, because the SARMs aren't, isn't going to help you reduce your estrogen. So I can see that happening just as a fluke situation. And, you know, that's possible. But I mean, I, I, is there any other ways that that can happen, lobster, where you can get SARMs uh, causing estrogen problems? I can't think I,
0: of. I, I did some prep for, for this uh, podcast, Steve. And i tell you what came up, which we've actually seen many times on the forum. And that's when the SARM isn't a SARM we we we're not going to name a shame on this podcast but we both know that there are uh, sellers of psalms and i'm 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 using inverted commas here when i say that that are really selling you pro hormones uh because they're lazy because they're cheap because they want to make a buck so we know uh, the 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 uh, sponsors that we have on our forums uh we know what the products they sell we've had products of this tested, we've got guys that run the products, we sample the products ourselves from time to time, we know what we're getting, we know what the effects are. And then we have my members come on the forum, or long-time members, quite often new members, and I've brought an, I've brought a product from Company X, and Company X product had this effect. It's not a salm, it is a pro-hormone, and because they haven't treated it like a pro-hormone, because they thought it was a psalm, they've ended up with this effect, uh, which they really, really didn't want to have. That's a hundred percent there. As the other thing which Steve touched on is, this, is re- the rebound. What I advise, and again, you can see this from, from posts I've made on the forums, is have time off between cycles. Have plenty of time off for full recovery. In my mind, and if I was giving you advice, I would say, listen, if you're gonna do a steroid cycle, fine. Do this, this, and this and have as long off as you need. Now, if you want to, and again, this is something I've advised myself and I've seen other people do the same, by all means, run a psalm. But have that time off, so the full PCC, make sure there's no issues that you need to do, then run a cycle of psalms. Then have time off, take as long as you need to complete and out of recovery, do your blood test, make sure everything is back to normal, so you've got no issues, and then run the next psalm or steroid cycle. In that way, you shouldn't see too many issues. And I think the only other thing I can think of would be that some people, and it does tend to be the fellas with the higher body fat levels, but some people are very estrogen sensitive. They would be the rare example of where you might potentially see an issue. I think I probably aren't that kind of person, but I can see that there would be people that are like that. And these guys need to be especially careful. I've touched on it when I've said about stands being slightly suppressive. I can see that, in, uh, again, if you're not running what you think, if you don't know 100% what you're running, or if you're very, very estrogen sensitive, you might potentially have issues. And it's something you need to keep an eye on. In fact, run, if I run a training log, keep a diary. See how you feel. Don't wait until it's a real problem. Get it looked at straight away. Get your regular blood test if you can afford it, and, and, and you've got access to people that are going to do that for you. Keep an eye on these things 100%. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it from my point of view as far as that's concerned. Thank you, Steve.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about the next topic. Uh, this is a really interesting one. It's it's TRT, testosterone replacement therapy. Um, and, and versus testosterone, sipinate and enethate. So it seems to be in the United States, when they prescribe TRT, it's going to almost always be sipinate or enethate. And then in the UK, when your doctors over there in the UK so, uh, prescribe TRT, it's going to be sustenin. And then in Eastern Europe, they tend to gravitate toward omnidrin. So the interesting thing is, is sussanin and omnidrin are the exact same four esters, but it used to not be. It used to be one ester was different uh, between them, but now it's exact same thing. Sustanin and Omnidrin, exact same thing. And then testosterone, cyponate, and enanthate are slightly different. We're talking two or three-day half-life difference. So Momster, um, tell us the differences in the half-lives. Um, tell us what sustenin and Omnidrin contain and their half-life of those esters, and then tell us the cyponate and nf half-lives because uh a lot of people don't really understand about these half-lives
0: i, I couldn't tell you what the s's are there steve that was something that i'd have to refer to but what i did pre-podcast is i looked very simply at the half-lives and sustenance for example as roughly 15 16 day half-life uh whereas cescipionate uh, is roughly eight days and that's going to come down to something very simple in, and, and there's two kind of points here one is the frequency of pinning and it would make sense to me from a, do I want to pin it that often? No. The less I can pin, the better. If I'm going to do your TRT, which is for life, guys, it's not something you just do for a few years. So let's, let's address that. I want, to, I want to have the least amount of jabbing possibly. I'm going to be doing this year round and 15 days, I'm talking about 20, 25 jabs a year. That's fantastic. However, What we do sometimes see with uh, TRT, especially when it's self-administered and not doctor-prescribed, and even when it is doctor-prescribed, the doctor's not looking to keep your levels at optimum level uh, amount of uh, testosterone in your blood. So when you look at it from the self-prescription point of view rather than the doctor-prescribed point of view, the self-prescription wants the blood levels of testosterone to be level, even, all year round. In between cycles, if that's your if your thing. But even without that, if you're if you're doing it because let's be honest, guys, it's cheaper for you to self-prescribe than it is a doctor prescribe quite often. Uh, private prescription can be quite expensive. And you can you, we know that we can get hold of material ourselves for quite often half the price and be just as good. So it's gonna come down to then the having a level of test sorry, a level, even level test of testosterone in your blood versus what a doctor prescription quite often do because quite often they'll do i think it's not unusual for example to see months between injection oh sorry a month between injection but not quite often three weeks between injections and three weeks you're going to see a drop off and if you're if you need trt you're going to notice that you're going to feel two weeks fantastic and then you're going to have that third third week waiting for the doctor to give you a jab go back to the surgery have the nurse give you a jab when you're going to start to feel it I i want i want If I were going to do TRC, I'd want a level, uh, even amount of testosterone in my blood. So I'd actually probably, I'd probably go towards the testipionate, if only because it's going to have that frequency. Or perhaps even go the other way, go SUS, which I'm not quite, I like SUS, actually. I've used that with Decker in the past as one of my more successful cycles. If it's got a 15-day half-life, I'm going to kind of try and stretch it out to 12, 13 days between jabs. So, that I've just got that little bit when it's starting to drop off before I inject again. I don't want to wait till it's starting to fall away. I don't want that sense of falling away. I want that sense of well being that testosterone can give sub guys, especially older gentlemen, especially those needing CRC. So, I'm going to look at it from those points of view. In terms of the esters, let's be honest, we can argue back and forth. And I had a buddy that could tell you where the carbon molecule used to go, but it's going to come down to individual response. And we're not doing here, we're not looking at the science and and the ester data and where the carbon atom goes and all the rest of it. We're looking for how we feel, how we respond, how we train in the gym, how good we look. If you want to argue about the science, there's plenty of guys out there that can sit down and discuss 11 days versus 15 days. Carbon atom here, the carbon molecule there. It gets a bit ridiculous. And nine times out of 10, and without meaning to sound. uh, uh, unruly think about that sort of thing tend not to be the biggest most muscular, because it's very rare for you to get some great big meathead who's been able to discuss those things with you I want, resu- I want a response and result before I need to discuss the in, in, in ins and outs of the science stuff and of course I'm, I'm pretty sure that we've got some articles on our forums that can discuss that for you, uh, and b- b- written by better experts than me in that particular regard I'm more of a, more of a practical approach how often do I pin, how do I feel and I'm going to look for, I won't say, if there was a drug somewhere in the middle, that would be perfect. If I could have somewhere between eight days and 15 days, a combination of these two products, that would be amazing. I mean, Steve said earlier on that the doctors seem to favor the cp uh, and and that's what you're going to get prescribed. There are some TRT clinics in this country. Getting the uh, health service in this country to prefer TRT is extremely rare. I, I wish it wasn't. Uh, for athletes like myself and wherever else where I could go to the darts and say, Listen, I've been doing this stuff for years I'm just starting to see a full aware of strength I'm just starting to see a full aware of my testosterone levels If we could do that, hell, I'm in the position right now. I could probably pay for it. That would be great If you want me to pay for it, doctor, you know 15, 20 pound of script, that'd be amazing. Thank you very much, but yeah Yeah, back to Steve for this one. I think especially with regards to the chemical uh, uh, and, and it's makeup
1: So here's a misconception Um the way mobster is talking, a lot of you are wondering, like, wait a minute, sustenance. I thought I'm supposed to inject it every other day. I'm supposed to, I'm, I thought I'm supposed to inject it every third day. If you ask most people, that's what they'll say. And they're, cor- and they're incorrect. Um, and mobster is in the UK where sustenance is basically – that's the birthplace of sustenance. So if he's saying that you're supposed to inject it pretty much every two weeks, 10 to 14 days – you know maybe you should take you should maybe you should listen to that over your your bro science uh person you know that you got on youtube
0: Yeah, you just you just said something there I, I will throw up the difference between trt of course and running a cycle for what i want to do in the gym there is a difference uh, and and i believe steve is correct so if i was tweet talking about trt that's when i'd want to run the longer time between between jabs um if i was and I have used this in the past. I think I can't, I'm, I'm trying to think that because it was some years ago, but I'm pretty sure that I would did Sust and Decker. And as I said earlier, it was one of my more successful cycles and got just about as big as I could at that time. And, and, and certainly very full uh, and and probably around my peak of strength at that time as well. And I'm trying to think that I think I was, I would say that I was jabbing Sust once a week. So once every seven days, and I believe the Decker twice a week. But again, it's a very long time ago. Didn't keep notes at the time, which I would have, I would do now. Uh, but that's for a competition training. That was to be as big, as bulky as possible. From a TRT point of view, it's completely different. Steve's correct in terms of, uh, I don't know about necessarily the birthplace, but it's very easy to get over it. Very reasonably priced. Uh, quite a popular product. And something for me, which I got a great deal out of, but as I said already, bear in mind that we're talking about TRT and not training for a competition. Not looking to put on loads of muscle at TRT levels for that sense of well being, for that feeling of health, for the, the feedback that some guys get. I don't think I do myself that much. Uh, I, I don't have a feel good uh, sense when I'm on testosterone, but some guys do. Uh, and, and sustenance for me would be it's just a frequency of jabbing thing. TRT is about that sense of well being over huge slabs of muscle, you know great poundage in the gym and all that kind of stuff, which is exactly why I was running it before. I would look at it now one hundred percent. If I say I'm gonna go on TRT, Sustan onto me for that less 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 frequency of jabbing, for that sense of well being, because it did give something some effect like that before, would be very, very useful for me. But yeah, we must make sure to differentiate between those two things.
1: Yeah, so yeah, so if you're running a cycle and it's a short cycle, sustenance is probably not uh, the one you want to use because most of sustenance is made of of testosterone decanoate, 100 milligrams out of the 250. Same thing with Omnidrim. and that has an extremely long half life. We're talking, you know, 15 days plus. Then the next S two esters is the, is the isocaproate and the phenylpropionate. Now the iso you're talking about a nine-day half-life on that, which is um, close to what sipinate and emethate are, which are 10 and 12 days, depending on on what you look at. And then the phenylpropionate is about five, six days, probably closer to six days. And then the last one, only 30 milligrams of it is the propionate. And that one is about three and a half, four and a half days for the propionate uh, ester. So you know the way they designed sustenin and omnidre is really interesting because they designed them where you take a large amount infrequently, so you'll dose two hundred fifty milligrams of the sustenin every two weeks. that means you only have to inject twice a month, and that's why they designed it for t r t now the disadvantages what I don't like about sustenin is the post injection pain um and that's a problem for certain people. Um, I'm a more prone to post injection pain, I think, than other people. I get post injection pain pretty much on every injection, no matter what I'm using. Just it's a question of how much. So sustenant is horrible for me. I'll have like three or four days where I'll have swelling and I'll have it's the injection spot will be hot. So I avoid it. I much prefer sepinate or nthate it's a smooth injection and you know I'll I'll run those if I'm doing a cycle I'll run them once or twice a week I'm good to go uh very very little post injection pain so I'm not a fan of sustenance at all um but some people are the first steroid I actually used was sustenance only because at that time it was very hard to get pharmacy grade steroids you'd have to basically order them international and get it through customs and all that bullshit so that's one of the reasons why I use Sustanin um, a couple times, because at that time you could get Organin Sustanin, which is a really, really good brand. And it was hard to find pharmacy
0: grade without a prescription. Go ahead, Monk. Yeah, I'm just thinking, and just reminded me, and, and Steve touched on it, that if we are doing a steroid cycle rather than TIT, don't forget, guys, that a product like uh, Sustanin is going to be in your bloodstream for two weeks after your last jab make sure you schedule that in when you when you're on cycle a lot of guys the way things are written quite often we get this idea that I, I finished on Friday it's my last jab it's my last day of the cycle and then they forget the fact that this stuff's going to be in your bloodstream for two or more weeks
1: yeah at so, least two weeks more more like even 5 6 weeks until it's yeah. lower so you're not going to fool the doctor um, the doctor is going to say hey why is your testosterone level so high so you want to basically make sure that if you're running more than your TRT dose and you're, you want the, the doctor to redo your prescription, you want to make sure you stop even in and thing in siponate, you want to make sure you stop them at least four or five weeks prior. Um, otherwise it's going to come in high and he's going to lower your script. So it kind of defeats the purpose of, uh, of doing it that way. But I want to talk to you monster about self TRT versus doctor prescribed. So you're telling me that it's hard to get doctor prescribed over there.
0: It's practically impossible. I've seen on the UK forums, this questions come up. And, and I think, and I'm, I searched on it in our last podcast, you would literally have to go to a private doctor somewhere like Harley Street, or one of the few private doctors you get in the major cities like Harley, just up the road from Right, you. so
1: you, you could get it, you just have to basically pay for oh. it a private doctor. You want to be able to get it through the national healthcare system. That's not, nat-
0: yeah. Honestly, they- health when, when i know guys that have approached the national health they've gone to the doctor they've got all, oh, and i mean these are not guys that are faking systems these are not guys that suppress the testosterone to try and get a doctor to do it these are guys with genuine 100 percent medical conditions and it's practically impossible to, to get a normal gp what you call an md in america to sit down and write you out skip for testosterone if you're very very lucky they'll be going to be the guys that will suggest that you go to a private doctor it's almost impossible, yeah. and it's kind of. So crazy. why not
1: just buy your own and do it on your own? I mean, a bio testosterone is not expensive.
0: That would be hundred percent. Honestly, we, yeah. we've mentioned the prices of various testosterones and steroids on the, the forum, and in the UK, very competitive. One hundred percent. Yeah, I, honestly, if I was going, to – I, I, I was defining this because I kind of argue about it on the forums a lot. There's an awful lot of guys. Let's let, let's clear one thing up. If you're going to, if I was, and I'm, I'm right there now, guys, I'm 56 in, in, in a couple of weeks. I am at that age when if I needed a testosterone replacement, I'm right there. I'm right there right now. And as Steve said already, I could go out. I, there are plenty of places I can get it, whether I use a, a forum sponsor or whether I go to a local gym and pay perfectly reasonable prices. And I, I'm, I'm doing my research and jab exactly according to the protocols that we suggested in, in this podcast, 100%. No mucking around. But now you're going to have trouble getting blood work. <laughs> Because he's yeah, blood work. The, 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 this is a situation that we come up against in the UK. The blood work uh, privately is incredibly expensive and more than the cost of a cycle. But the thing that I was going to touch on, and, and, and that was what kind of bugbear for me TRT is for life. I'm at that age where the TRT would be for life. If I want to carry on training until I'm 60 or 70 years of age, TRT would be perfect for me. Do not define TRT, guys, when you're thinking of right now in your late 30s and you say that you're on TRT and what you really means is you're cruising. I, I despise that when I see it on the forum. And then, here's another thing, guys, and I've touched on this multiple times and it'll probably be addressed a, a, you know, as a point or a question in a future podcast. You don't do TRT for three or four years. That is not what you're doing. You're just cruising. But we have guys come on and here's the thing, is because of my age, because of my experience, I see this. You talk about TRT, and then three, four years down the road, you're coming to us and asking for baby-mating protocols. Uh, I, I'm not producing sperm anymore, Steve Me, I, 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 I need, you know, me and my wife and my girlfriend, we want to have a child. Well, then you wasn't on TRT, guys. TRT is for life. It's not, you shouldn't be doing this stuff and saying that you're on TRT. I'm at that perfect age. I've got grandkids. TRT, for me, right now, is no big deal So I can afford it. I could run it for the next 30 years. I can run it until they put me in the box. No big deal for me. I'm not going to have any more kids. Hell, I don't even want my, grand, my daughters having have any more grandkids. I don't need to do that. If you're in your 30s and you're selling your TRT, you need to be a bit more honest, Be honest. Answer the question properly. And if you are taking TRT and you can do what we're suggesting and, and affording it in this particular way, Make sure that we're not, we have seen this on the forums. Don't leave it to two weeks before you go to see the doc because you're going to need to do some crazy stuff to get your levels down. Look at what you're doing. You know when these, these, these appointments are coming up. Schedule it. Give yourself plenty of time. Give yourself five weeks. Give yourself six weeks between these appointments when you're going to be tested by the doctor. Do things properly. Look at, do the research. Ask us on the forums before you start to do these protocols, before you start to do this stuff. So you've got, I mean, hell, you can schedule it into your phone, guys. You can get a reminder. Stop taking CRT today. Put it in your diaries. Do it properly. Here in the UK, as I said, I I can't think of a single, every single person I know that's tried to do CRT through the the normal way. It's almost impossible. Whereas I can go to my local gym if need be, pick up 35 pounds with SAST. Run, run a 10 mil vial. Jab, that's gonna last me, what, 20 weeks? If I'm doing two weeks between jabs? What's that, £1.75 a week, guys? Easy peasy. Just, but do it properly. Run it as though a doctor was running it for you. In fact, that's probably the best piece of advice I think we could give you. Run it as though you'd gone to the doctor, the doctor was giving you the injections, the nurse was giving you the injections. Follow the protocol that they're doing. Do it properly. Follow that protocol, follow that advice. I think mean, that's the best piece of information I'm gonna give you guys today. Treat it as though a doctor had prescribed it to you and do it exactly that way. With maybe, the only bug, the only thing I would take out of that is that maybe you increase the frequency of injection by a few days. So you don't wait till your blood levels start to drop off. Just to keep, keep get that, that, that feel good vibe that some guys get from, from, from TRT. Yeah, that's me Dundee Steve.
1: The, the problem in the United States, um, we have, obviously we're seeing the evidence of this with the, you know, we're, the pandemic is like <laughs> spreading like crazy, but it's because we have poor immune systems in the United States. It's because our food quality is so poor. So what happens is as a connection, Rob, officer, between that. And low TRT. We're seeing guys, yes, in their late 30s getting TRT. Not even late 30s. We're talking early 20s. There's guys going on TRT because they have low testosterone levels. Why is that? And it has a lot to do with our gut health. It has to do with our bodies are just sick from the poor food. When you keep throwing poor food into your body, when you keep what happens is you're not able to absorb the minerals and the vitamins from your food. If you can't absorb the minerals and vitamins in your food, guess what? You're not going to produce your own testosterone anymore. So we're seeing guys 25 years old posting their blood work and their, their testosterone levels are like 200 at 25 years old. That's not good.
0: Yeah. On that particular subject, and I believe we touched on it in the last podcast when we talked about how us here in Britain seem to follow whatever we like and some of the bad examples, and for that matter, the good examples that America gives us. Here's here's the thing, guys, if you're, if you're, I mean, I've done this, I've been there, you know, this is old school, and, and, and Steve said we've got the 70 years between us. I've done the crazy amounts of work. I've done the stress and over certain situations. And I, I think what happens now, and, and we are seeing this in a generation where if you're doctor-prescribed medication can and will have an effect on your testosterone levels, the stress, the generation that's coming up, two generations behind me, is barely going to be able to afford houses and, and, and pay their bills and and, and enormous amounts of deaths. So if you don't think that's an effect on your testosterone, you need to look at that stuff. It really does. Stress levels, the chemicals in, in, in the water, the drinking water, and Steve speaks to on this, the drinking water in America, never mind the drinking water here in the UK, which I believe is slightly better, but the drinking water in America, that stuff that comes out of a tap and contain, uh testosterone suppressing so chemicals from fertilizers in, 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 in the ground. Then you've got, if you live in a big city, I, I think Steve would probably agree with this. If you live in a big city and did an air quality test and see if that air quality is having an effect on your testosterone. So you're talking about chemicals, you're talking about pollution, you're talking about diet. And we know, because we're seeing this, That I think there was a study, and I, could, I, I would argue what the percentages are, But generation on generation, I believe that the testosterone levels in your average guy, who should be really at his peak around 30 to 35 years of age, is dropping generation by generation. And why is that? Because of stress, because of diet, because of the situation, because of how we live. Staying up late, being on your cell phones, all the obvious things. And before you go on TRT, there's a ton of stuff that you guys can do. You know, you can stop going out and buying the latest car. the biggest TV and all that kind of stuff, reduce your bills. That's, that's a stress reliever right there. I'm a great believer in that. I live a very simple life. Got a nice big lump of cash in the bank, no, no mortgage. Look at me, not, not on TRT. Uh, I'm not saying my diet's perfect, far from it. But uh, I, 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 we discussed it previously. I try to eat all the stuff I'm supposed to eat first and then all the junk food after. I don't do it the other way around. We, we are, as a generation... starting to see that drop-off. And and, and there are a a number of reasons why. And TRC would help you, but why don't you start by helping yourself first? Reduce your stress, eat clean, train, get down to the gym. these TRC's being given to guys that have never been inside the gym in their life. They don't do enough exercise. They don't eat clean. They're they're doing all the hours God sends just, just to pay the bills. And if you, if you keep your life simple, you reduce those things down, you get rest, you get recovery, you eat clean, you eat your greens, you do all the stuff that your mum told you to do, uh, trust me, guys, it makes a difference. And it, you'll be the healthy example for the rest of your generation. And, and if, because we are getting older, you end up in a position that I'm in, of being able to work out and train at my age, doing what I'm doing, and then if you need TRT, well then, fantastic. I, I, I can only imagine that if I start doing an injectable form of TRT very soon, mm. it's going to be amazing. I, I, should feel, I should feel fantastic because I'm doing all the other things that you need to do already. Make sure you don't just use a drug to cover up for that stuff. If you're still doing 60, 70 hours a week of work, if you're stressed and if you aren't paying your bills, then the TRT is just going to make you feel good from that perspective. But the other things are going to stress you and it's going to impact and it does 100% impacts on your testosterone levels, your natural levels. So keep that in mind. I think that Steve C covered it when he said the age. The guys that are being prescribed TRT, it seems to be getting younger and younger and younger all the time. And you have to ask yourself why. And if you ask yourself why, if you ask yourself what's going on in your life and what you aren't doing that you could be doing, make those changes. Do those things first before you go get a prescription. And then if you have to, we're there. We're gonna give you the advice that we need to give you. We're gonna help you. I'm gonna be the guy that points out, make sure you do this, this and this. Let's see an improvement. And again, blood test. I guarantee you guys, I would almost give you a buck for it, that if you went and did those things that we're telling you to do, you'll see an improvement. You'll see how you feel. Your stress levels are gonna go down. Uh, I think Steve's talking about a water purifier for your, for, for your tap water coming into the house. Uh, you can have air conditioning, systems, filter, the filters to so filter out the pollutants in the atmosphere. You, you, there's a bunch of things that you can do and you can eat clean. I think the younger guys especially need to learn how to cook. Cook from scratch, eat well, eat clean and tell me you go and get your blood test down. I guarantee you that you're going to see better results. So there you are, 30, 35, 40 when you start to see those levels drop off. Then TRT can come in, long as possible before you need to start taking a medication it would be the best advice there and do all that stuff that I've just told you to do yeah,
1: eating out is, is so bad uh, we see restaurants restaurants they use the oils that they're put in the restaurants you guys don't have this problem in Britain as much as we do here but um, the restaurants they like to put sunflower oil canola oil all these rapeseed oils all these oils that don't belong in our body they basically go in your body and they atta- start attaching themselves so if you've grown up eating that type of food, and it's not your fault that your parents were feeding you this stuff. So I don't like to blame the victim. There's things that you can control now, but there's things that already happened that you have no control over. If you grew up in a town where, you know, an industrial town where they were burning coal uh, down the street from you and you're breathing that in and all that crap was going into your river, rivers, and then going into your, into the ground, and now you're drinking that water. Than that, I mean, it's going to pollute you. It's going to pollute your, you know, your body, and uh, it's very difficult to recover from that gut health. Um, in the United States, we eat too much food. We eat too often. That that destroys your gut health. Uh, we take all these drugs, these prescription drugs, that destroys your gut health. All the stuff in our, in our, uh, in our foods, all these oils, they destroy your gut health. And if you have no gut health, then you cannot absorb the minerals that you need to produce testosterone. It all goes back to that. So. Right off the bat, what you can do is start eating organic, start eating whole foods, stop eating out. Like Momster said, you need to start cooking your own food. Get the plain foods and cook it yourself. It's not that difficult to buy an air fryer, to buy a barbecue, to buy this and start, you know, you put your own uh, marinades that you're making from scratch, not the marinades from the store that contain, again, these oils and these chemicals like high fructose corn syrup that don't belong in the body.
0: Yeah, you just reminded me of something, Steve. I've, I completely forgot about this. It's incredibly relevant here. Uh, I took part in a, a scheme, a national health scheme, in fact, uh, where, because I live in a, the valleys of South Wales, uh, famous for many, many generations, although not so much now, with the coal mines, the so coal dust. We had a furnace plant down the road that used to put uh, pollutions into the atmospheres and, and, and ruin the health of the generation of fellows that were working there. So what they did a few years ago is they invited me and everybody that was over the age of 45 uh, to pop along to their local uh, doctors and have a series of tests. And they wanted to see why uh, guys of my generation who had lived there all their lives were dying uh, younger than, than, than the national average. And uh, why the men, and not the women. Well, the women, of course, were not working down the coal mines, or if they did, it was very, very rare. So the guys were working down the coal mines, the guys were breathing in the coal dust, the guys were having wet sandwiches from working down the coal mines. They were working at the furnaces and the processing plants and whatever else. And then they were going out and drinking and doing crazy stuff because they'd been down a coal mine and because they kind of deserved this this, this drink that they'd had and whatever else. And unfortunately, they were dropping down dead, I believe it was five to six years ahead of the national average. So I went along. They, they they tested my bloods, weighed me, measured me, and, and done a bunch of other tests. Unfortunately, because I trained, I, I, I did quite well on the test. To the point with one of the nurses, female nurses, had a worse worse profile than I did, despite the fact that I probably weighed at that time 290 pounds. But yeah, this, this this was very very true of the generation behind me uh, that lived here in the valleys of South Wales because they lived in a highly polluted area because they were working. 12-hour shift down the coal mines because their diet was very poor because their alcohol was quite high they were having all these particular problems and uh, fortunately for me such as it was coming from London and, and, and then Gloucester on the way up here I didn't have too many of those problems I hadn't had that kind of lifestyle and of course i trained for a very long time so I'd had half an hour on healthy eating and training and, and the trail walking so, so I did quite well in those tests fortunately for me but guys it makes a huge huge difference and and, and, and doing all the things that Steve and I have suggested will have a difference to uh, I wouldn't think that we could go so far as to claim that you'll live longer and feel great, but I, I would go so far as to say that it will have an effect on your testosterone levels, how you feel, and, and and doing those things will make you feel better. It sounds like, you know, sort of what we call in this culture, old wives' advice, but it's true. And then when you get to a certain age, you can you can bring in the TRT. there's not everyone TRT too early. That's everyone you need it. Let's make sure that we give you the advice to get you well, to make you feel good. That's what we're about. That's what Evo's about. That's that's what we're doing on these podcasts. We're trying to give you the, the lifelong advice that we can we can throw at you, and have you nagging you like old women, as we would say over as well, to to get you to do the right things, to make you feel good, to do the stuff that we say, to follow the protocols, to take our suggestions and have you come back five or ten years down the road onto the, onto the forums and say, guys, you gave me great advice. Look how, look how great I feel. You know, I didn't have to go on TRT. Done. I did this stuff that you told us to do. This is what we want. This this is what we're about. This is what these podcasts are for. We want to be in your face, and sometimes I'm going to have to uh, to use the phrase, bitch slap you. But I'll do that so that when you come back, you go, you know what? Mobster was right. Steve Smith was right. I've done those things. Here I am. And thank you very much. And, and, and we're we we're we're not going to wait for you guys to sell us that. We're looking forward to it. Steve Spink?
1: Yeah, and guys, you know, you're going to hear a lot of opinions online. Um, like I can remember there was a thread, a couple of people trying, oh, it doesn't matter what you eat as long as it fits your macros, as long as it's the same amount of calories. You know what? Canola oil, a spoonful of canola oil is the same amount of calories as a spoonful of unrefined coconut oil. That's the same thing. See, these people <laughs> are just looking at, one way it's just like they're one dimensional thinking they don't understand that like what mobster was saying about that study they did in in britain it's it affects you that canola oil you put in your body it goes in your body and it starts attaching to things and it's going to affect the way your body reacts and it's going to lower and these are the same guys on trt at like 25 years old and they're lecturing me about this stuff um, but they had to go on to here at 225 years old because they keep poisoning their body. You're basically poisoning your body, so it matters what you put in your body, guys. Don't listen to these people that think that just because something, uh, a diet soda is zero calories, so yeah, go drink 50 diet sodas a day, and it's not going to affect your testosterone levels. Guess what? It will affect your testosterone levels. And stress, what monster said, 100%. Stress is a killer. Um, We all want that huge house, the three cars, the bow, the trophy wife, the five kids. But guys, if you overload yourself, you young guys, when you get older, don't overload yourself. Don't start having kids and and all this stuff and you're going to end up
0: being so stressed out over things let, let me give you one, uh, well, two very quick examples first this, this is what we call selective research we see this sometimes actually in proper research themselves where they've kind of manipulated the data to get the result that they wanted this happens a lot when it comes to online searching for information and what will happen is that the uh, the, the way that you look for information the way you search for information provides you with the proof of the opinion that you already held, whereas really you should be questioning the opinion you already held. So guys can find examples of science that backs up what they're saying, but they're literally looking at one or two pieces of research, go out and look at 15 or 20 pieces of research, suddenly the information that they've, they've argued over doesn't look quite so clear cut. So for, and, and the other example I was gonna give you, I did some volunteer youth work when I first come up here and we had a, a social care worker whose specific thing was the, 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 the youth, in Rhonda Canenceff, in the county where I live. And it was down to uh, high fructose corn syrup that Steve's mentioned earlier on. Uh, I've I, probably been guilty of this myself. Ready meals. So you're not going out, you're sitting at home, but you're buying a pre-made meal frozen from the supermarket. And the reason it tastes so nice is because it tastes sweet. And the reason it tastes sweet is because of high fructose syrup being added to it. So what the the, the 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 social care worker essentially said is that the uh, number of children in Ronda Canon South, those parents were out at work, were coming home and cooking a ready meal because they'd done a ten-hour shift, they'd driven an hour to get home, mum's gone out, dad's gone out, they're doing this to provide to pay the bills. They were they were preparing ready meals, and so what they found was that the the cavities, the dent tooth damage, the damage to the, the children's teeth up to the ages of about 16 were higher in that percentage of the population where mum and dad were both working and coming home and cooking ready meals. So literally that diet, which, you know, mum and dad, they were providing food, they're putting food on the table, they're being loving, they're being caring. But what they haven't noticed is that one of these ingredients is actually affecting the health of the children. And those are children. Those aren't grown-ups. They aren't people looking after themselves, cooking for themselves and doing all the other things as adults. These are kids. So if it's having that effect before you're 16 years of age, how much of an effect do you think this stuff's going to have on you when you get older if you carry on following this kind of stuff? So going back to that, and again, it's the sort of thing, <laughs> I, unfortunately, my mum, one of four brothers, no, no sisters, we were taught, you know, peel a potato and learn to cook yourself. You t- t- show me a recipe book that tells you to put corn syrup in your food when you're cooking it. Show me a, sh- a TV chef that's adding corn syrup to your meal. They're not. And there's a reason for that. It's because you're cooking it fresh, you're eating it fresh. It doesn't need to taste nice. It doesn't need to satiate the masses. It doesn't need to be in a freezer for three months or six months. And it doesn't need to be zinged into the microwave and slapped onto your plate. You can do, In fact, hell, guys, you can spend a couple of hours of the weekend cooking these things from scratch and freezing them yourself because you're going to eat them that week. Trust me on this one. And the last thing was what Steve's mentioned as well. Oh, my God, I despise the if it fish or macros. Come on, if carbohydrate was made out of a you know a cream donut, and that's all we could have, and it worked, then you would see Mr. Olympia's talking about that. Side you would see strong men on, on, on from you know, World Strongest Man talking about that kind of thing. It's bullshit. Quality food. Dexter Jackson, as Mr. Olympia, sat down and he said, hundred percent, if it fits my macros, works. I would do it, but it doesn't. Fresh salmon, fresh tapia, sweet potato, that kind of stuff, cooked." you cook it if you've got to season it you make the seasons cook that stuff there's no recipe book i can think of and no tv chef like i've already said that puts high fructose corn syrup into their recipes good grief could you imagine if they did but the stuff in the supermarkets the stuff at your deli is just full of that sort of thing with the sulfates and god knows what else get that stuff out there and show me i guarantee i i i would put good money on the fact that you you're, you're numbers are gonna come back better because you're doing these things. And again, so it's gonna sound like old advice. it's gonna sound like the sort of thing my mum used to tell me when I was a kid, but trust me on this. when When you keep these habits for life, when you do these things, you will notice a difference. I, I should probably get a blood chest just to prove my point by saying my testosterone levels are higher just to show you guys. I, maybe I should think for the future because I, I have a feeling that I'm going to do quite well, and I'd be quite disappointed if I didn't, and hell, how the hell am I managing to do some of the stuff that I'm doing if, if I'm struggling? I don't think that I am. So so, I'd like
1: so, to you, so you guys in Britain have high fructose corn syrup in your foods too?
0: Yeah, that, the, 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 the ready meals in the supermarket, and I'm, I'd I'm, I'm I'm probably – one just the other day as a, a, a pasta thing in you know it says serves two but that's hardly arbitrary in my case uh, even if it does provide me with two meals and you can turn these things over uh, and and look at the ingredients and you should be looking you should be looking for the carbohydrates should be genuine in any example I've just given proper pasta, proper cheese, proper b- b- bacon bits or whatever there's stuff in there it shouldn't be full of sulfates, but so often almost every single half prepared meal that you can think of that's frozen and you might have to add a little bit to so or you can season yourself nine times of 10 there'll be high fructose corn syrup in there and specifically as the ones i mentioned earlier on the proper actual ready meals you can buy stuff for example even in the local shop by me um sausage mash and onions that's a very straightforward meal with very easy to prepare yourself butcher pork sausages fresh fresh onions fresh potatoes And you can make that stuff probably in the next 25 minutes, cook it, prepare it and cook it in about 25 minutes. But you can buy that as a ready meal. Turn that thing over, look at the ingredients on the bottom, high-fructose corn syrup is in there, just as common as it is in the States. And it does have an effect. As I said earlier when I gave you the example with the kids. It was having an effect on their teeth, and that's as children. It's going to have an effect on your health, uh, and it's incredibly common. I did touch on on a previous podcast. We don't quite yet... Have the habit of going out for food quite as much as you're doing states, or having uh fast food brought in but we're not far behind i think it's one of those things that when you get started have some disposable income you start going out for more food and uh, it's it's getting to become where some people don't think that they are but when you look at their diets they're having fast food four days a week five days a week uh, and even during the the lockdown that we've had recently we've had uh, McDonald's starting to open up and the drive thru starting to open up and the queues for fast food. Again, guys, please look at the ingredients. Sodium content, nitrates in, in, in the meats and, and, and corn syrup as a, a, a way of sweetening uh, plain food so that it tastes nice and, and comes out looking appetising from the microwave. Great, it filled a gap, but it's not healthy. It's meant to be a now and again thing. It's not to be something you have all the time, but it's becoming something that people have all the time. To the point where, as I said earlier, on an example I gave, five days of the week for working, working when both the sets of parents are working and no one's at home to prepare the food, and and the children are waiting for the parents to come home so they can have their evening meal, it's starting to become an issue, and it does affect your long-term health. I've got, I would give my guarantee on that, 100%. Steve.
1: Yeah. And, you know, guys, the thing is the restaurant industry and, and restaurants and bars and all this stuff and the food companies, they've been putting this stuff in our food for the past 20, 30 years in the United States. And, uh, you know, the studies are there. The real life studies are there. Just look at how sick our country is. I think people around the world laugh at the United States at they just view us as a bunch of just unhealthy fat people. And truly we are, um, you know, you can just come to the United States and just go to Walmart and look around, Everybody is, uh, everybody's in bad shape. So what you put in your body is something you can control now as adults. As kids, yes, your parents, you know, were giving you, I used to drink uh, growing up. We had um, uh, a, uh, what's it called, a pump? You know, the, a well, I drink well water and my dad would dunk like a gallon of uh, Clorox into the well water before it would come into the house. And, uh, yeah, that's what I was drinking growing up. And has it affected me? Yes, of course it's affected me. I think I, today uh, my asthma is because of that, um, you know, and, and those types of effects uh, make, make a big difference. All those toxins I was getting uh, from poor water. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we can't control what happened, but now you can control going forward what, what you do. It makes a huge difference, guys, um, what you put in your body. So, All right. Uh,
0: Mom- yeah, you just mentioned something there. In fact, something again, in experience from when a job I was doing in London at the time. I worked in central London for the best part of 14 and a half years. And the union of the job that I was in at the time was concerned that the pollution we were dealing specifically with traffic in and around places, uh, tourist points like Oster Circus and around Buckingham Palace, the Palace of Westminster, and so on. If we did a shift, dealing with the traffic for more than four hours, our noses would fill up with the pollutants, our ears would get black out, the mucus in our noses would be black with, with the pollution coming off the vehicles that we were dealing with. And the union at the time was concerned that we should have a study uh, why wasn't we wearing face masks? Why wasn't we wearing filter masks? Because we were they, they felt that we were at risk and there was no long-term study that had been done at that particular time. Uh, but, and, and it's one of those things that you start, an example up here I mentioned earlier on, with the furnaceite plant. Furnacite is, I think it's called a smokeless fuel, but they had to kind of cook it in order to make it smokeless. And in order to do so, it made it the product porous. And this was, was what was tearing up the lungs of the old guys. To the point where they had uh, emphysema, which is essentially when you see people walk around a supermarket where you where you are, wherever it's a station in the UK, and they've got the fin thin tube up in the nose and they're carrying an oxygen cylinder it's because they can't breathe. And I, I, unless they've got a specific medical condition related to something else, a lot of the time it's because they've worked with steel, they've worked with coal, they've worked with pollution. You know, some of these much older guys are old enough to have seen been been loading the furnaces on ships and whatever else. And, and, and the reason why changes have been made in their time to our time for people to do that stuff to wear filter masks is because of that. Now, if you work in a city, you're going to be breathing in more pollution than if you live, work, in, work and live in a country. You know, if you, if you work indoors, you're going to be dealing with less pollution than if you work outdoors. It's just some of your stuff. We're very, very good. Even here, where I am, the water tastes better here in, in, in well, the town where I live versus the water that's coming into Cardiff, the, the nearest major city and that's only 35 miles away and that's probably just because the reservoirs down here tend to be open not all of them but some of them are open and the ones that are closer to the major city will be more open and have uh, pollutants getting into them than the ones that are high up in the mountains and the hills and the valleys of Wales where i am so it's just stuff like that honestly guys you don't think it makes a difference but it will over a lifetime so the advice that we're giving you here is the stuff that you can apply today five years 10 years 15 20 years down the road and it will make a difference, whether that's clean water, clean air, looking after yourself, taking your vitamins, cooking fresh food, all of that kind of stuff. It should be common sense advice. Uh, I can understand when you're when you're rushing around, when when I was doing the crazy hours, 14 hour days and all that kind of thing, you're not gonna not come home and peel a bunch of vegetables and prepare food and whatever else. But you can do that stuff at weekend. There are companies that provide these kind of products. Look at what's on what's on the pack. Look at how it's prepared. You may pay a buck or two extra, but it will make a difference in the long run. You're just going to feel great for it. Uh, and yeah, and that's again, this is the sort of stuff we want to come out of this podcast: It's healthy advice that's going to make a long-term difference to your lifestyle and to your well-being. Uh, and, and, and hey, that's what we're about well-being, being being healthy, and being able to smash the fucking weights down the gym is what we're about, right? Let's get down there, Mm -hmm. get those run up the mountains and lift enormous weights and then fantastic muscles. That's what we're all about, guys. Come on. So let's do those things. Let's make a difference. And, uh, yeah. Listen to Uncle Steve and
1: listen to Uncle Mobster. Yep. You can get whatever, even if you're the biggest jock and you've got your strongest guy in your gym and everything, you can improve yourself just by improving your health. Just that little bit makes a huge difference And it. Right? So, guys, I mean, we can hit this topic for a full show. We're out of time, though, but we'll definitely come back to this because there's a lot of other stuff we can talk about when it comes to this. So uh, for Steve Smee and Mobster is another episode of Evolutionary Hardcore Radio episode 101 we appreciate you guys listening we'll have a 102 up next week take care buddy